This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Doing good? You know, as um, we consider the world where we live, I was praying about that earlier this morning and realizing that no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what's going on, Some of us in the audience have brand new jobs this week. Some of us, I haven't encountered them yet, but some of us may have lost a job this week. Some of us got good health news this week, some of us didn't. But no matter what's going on in our lives, we sit surrounded by the beauty that is life. Just think about that for a minute. The blue of the sky, that's God's idea. Green in the grass, that's God's idea. Babies are God's idea. You know, He did create some creatures that come into this world full grown. You ever thought about how different your life would be if when God blessed you with a child, they were full grown? So you're going, I'm up for that. <laughs> Few days on the ranch and <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Babies, the whole concept of children, families, marriage. Those are all God's ideas. And they're all part of the, the wonder and the pageantry and the drama that is life. And this morning, my prayer for all of us as we've come to church this morning, uh, one of my prayers is that we would have a fuller sense of appreciation for all that life is and that we would have a fuller sense and appreciation of God. For there's no one like Him and the greatness that He brings into this world and into our lives. And I just want to say to you, welcome, not only to New Life, but welcome to church, and not just welcome to church, but welcome to a day that could be and should be life-changing for you and for me. And that's what I pray takes place here this morning, in my life and in your life, that when we leave, we didn't just come to church, that when we leave, we will leave having had a fresh encounter with God. So would you join me in prayer, and let's ask God to make that happen in our lives. Father, at the beginning of this church service, we come right now, and we say, Lord, it's our desire that we would have a fresh encounter with you. And Lord, for those of us in the audience who've never had that first encounter with you, uh, we, we know that you're out there somewhere and we're sort of looking for you. This morning, would you help us to have that initial encounter with you? We have come. Would you help us now to lower our guard and lower our defenses and open our hearts so that you could speak into our lives Speak into our lives now, Lord, by your truth, the truth of your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the great thing about the God who created us is he loves us dearly. And that means that he has done for us what we try to do for our children, except instead of trying to do it, he actually gets it done. Because he's the perfect father. And in Parents understand it takes more to be a parent than just bringing a child into this world. 
But when we bring a child into this world, we don't want them to go through life clueless. So we help them along the way. And our great God has done the same thing for us. He has not left us clueless about how to live life. It's not just by trial and error. It's not just by the school of hard knocks or, 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 or the things that sometimes we get into. But God has given us a huge leg up in this life by giving us the Bible. And in the Bible, He shows us how to live in such a way that we get fullness of life. I mean real life. Not just existing, not just getting out of bed and going to work and another boring day, and not just chasing one fantasy after another fantasy only to be disappointed or, or not to be able to reach that fantasy. But God shows us how to live life so that it can have a fuller, richer, and deeper meaning every day. Because He loves us. That's His agenda for us. And this morning we're going to talk about one of the great keys to experiencing that sort of life. And and we're going to wrap it up in one word. And you can see it here on the screen. I want you to write it down in those blanks at the top of your message notes that you'll find inside your program. Okay? So there you have it. The word that we're going to explore this morning is togetherness. Now, when you walked in this morning, by the way, let me introduce myself. My name is Ron. For those of you who are brand new and wonder why I'm up here talking, I'm on the pastoral staff here, and it's my wonderful privilege most Sundays to get to speak to you from God's Word. And uh, I would love to meet you if I haven't. I would love to meet you before you leave this morning. So I'll be hanging out in the lobby next to one of those kiosks. Uh, that you saw on the way in, and if you would be kind enough to come up and shake my hand, I would love to be able to put a face with your name and uh, give you a personal welcome. So now, having said that, let's go back to togetherness. One of the great concepts in the Bible, and, and once you begin to look for it, you can see it on almost every page of the Bible. You will see some concept, some principle of togetherness taught. It is a life-transforming principle. And this morning, I want to be able to communicate it to all of us in such a way that we can latch on to it and we can begin to embrace it in our lives in ways that are healthy and vibrant and good. So let's go to one of those passages. It's in Acts chapter 2. It's the same passage that Kevin read to you last week. But it's our first teaching passage, and I have a little project for you, and then I'm going to ask you some questions out of this. The Bible says all the believers, that's all the Christians or the people, this was the very first church in the whole world. And this is the Bible record of that very first church. It says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was reading and studying the Bible and living it out to fellowship, that was being together, that's the concept of togetherness, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we will do later in our service this morning, and a prayer. And it goes on to say, a deep sense of awe or wonder came over them all. Why? Because they were encountering God. And when you encounter God, 
it, it has this sense of wonder that comes with it, as it should. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the truth is, when we encounter God, He does miraculous things in our lives. And sometimes those, those miracles take place in an instant. A couple Sundays ago, I told you about a time when God reached down in my life just a few weeks ago and healed me of something that had, had been in my life actually for several months and healed me in a 20-minute span of time. And I haven't been the same since. It's a miracle. It was wonderful, and I live every day thanking God for that miracle. I've had other miracles in my life. Some of you know that a few years ago, 19 years ago actually, I broke my neck in four places, right? And when the doctor looked at the MRI, he said, you have someone on your side because there's no one that has this MRI that should be living. And the fact that you're living and the fact that you're not paralyzed is completely beyond explanation. Well, I know. So I tell people all the time, I've got 19 years of bonus time and counting, right? Because God spared my life. Now, God does those sorts of things. We have people in this church who have been miraculously healed of diseases. We have people in this church that in spite of all sorts of odds where you would say that could never happen, that God reached down and in His grace and His favor, He touched their hearts and their lives and did things that, that no one thought possible. Well, I could spend the rest of the morning just listing out the miracles and signs and wonders that God does. It's not exactly Las Vegas style. You understand what I'm talking about? We're not making locomotives disappear on the stage, all right? Well, I'm not talking about that, okay? That's illusion, okay? I'd far rather have a real miracle than an illusion, wouldn't you? Yeah, sure. It goes on to say, And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. Boy, you get the idea they got into this? They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So then what happened out of that? All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, that's a picture of a great church, and that's a picture of a church that I pray about often that we continue to become that kind of a church and that God continues us uh, to be able to walk in that journey. Now, here's, here's the project for you. Take your pencil, go through that passage in your notes, and all of the togetherness words, okay, and Gus, can we back up one slide All the togetherness words, I'll help you with the first sentence, all right? The first togetherness word we find there is the word all, okay? There you go. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, that's a togetherness word, and to sharing, that's another togetherness word, okay? In the Lord's Supper. So there you go. You've got, you've got several there. Go through the rest of that text and just circle all the togetherness words, Are you finding a few? Yeah, I went through and I found, I think I I found 14 togetherness words in just that one passage. 
I want that to sink in because I'm going to ask you some questions because the obvious theme of that entire passage was that these people were committed to taking the journey of faith together. So the first questions are these. Do these people in this passage, do they seem happy or sad? Which? They seem happy, don't they? Do they seem fulfilled or unfulfilled? Fulfilled. Do they seem vibrant or bored? Vibrant. I mean, you could just start asking a bunch of questions. You look at that and say, wow, that's what I would love to experience in life. Because one of the great things about togetherness is it brings out, when it's healthily done, it brings out the best in all of us. And that's the way the church is supposed to be. That's why the church is not power-based. It's functionally based. Because when it's done correctly, this sense of togetherness brings out the best in all of us. When you walked in this morning, you saw on the wall out in the lobby what is our mission statement. New Life exists to connect people to God and others, develop them as followers of Christ, and move them into lifestyles of service. Here we sort of abbreviate it and say it's really connect, develop, and serve. Connect is a togetherness term, correct? Develop, most forms of development, do they happen better when you're isolated or when you're with other people? When you're with other people, right? And when you're serving, is it more fun to serve alone or with other people? Most of the time, that's a few people that we'd rather serve alone from, right? But most of the time, service is more fun when we do it together. Because we grow and develop far more in this context of togetherness, which is really the context of the church. Now let me take you to a second passage of Scripture that breaks this out. Well, let me give you a truth first, and then I'll take you that passage. Here's the truth. This was an ordinary church filled with ordinary people, but they keyed in on an extraordinary principle, and that's the principle of togetherness. I want you to see that. This church wasn't filled with super talented people. It wasn't filled with super wealthy people. It wasn't filled with super famous people. It wasn't filled with super powerful people. And that's how they ended. No, it was ordinary people in an ordinary church but they decided to take the journey together. And because of that, they experienced extraordinary results in their individual lives and in the life of the church. Now let's go to the second passage of Scripture. And, and it's in the Old Testament, a book, the book of Ecclesiastes. And most of you have heard this taught somewhere. Even if you've never been to church before, you've probably heard this principle. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. If one falls down, the other can help him up. But it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one is there to help. If two lie down together, they will be warm. My wife believes in that passage. I can tell you that for sure. All right? But a person alone will not be warm. An enemy might defeat one person, but two people together can defend themselves. And then here's an illustration out of everyday life. A rope that is woven of three cords 
You take three ropes and weave them together, that's way more difficult to break than it is just to break one. It's not easily broken or torn in two. Now, how can we apply that passage in our life? I want to give you four life equations, and I'm going to write them up here on the board. You have a place to fill in the blanks in your notes. And I've oftentimes given you one of these. Sometimes I've given you two of them, but I've never actually given all four of them to you. And those of you who are new maybe never have seen any of them. So let's start with a concept of a sorrow. And if we decide to share a sorrow, there's an old saying that says a shared sorrow is half a sorrow. And that's taught all throughout Scripture, and you and I intuitively know that. Because when we're going to go through a tough time in life, maybe you're going to go in the hospital for your very first operation, okay? You want to go in there alone and just tough it out? Or do you want your family in there? Because whatever that anxiety is, you want to be able to share it because you're dividing that sorrow among a number of people, okay? But here's... An amazing part of the way that God wired life. Joy does exactly the opposite of sorrow. A shared joy actually doubles the joy. It doesn't make it half a joy. It doubles the joy. Have have you ever seen something that was fantastic and beautiful, but you were all by yourself? What was the first thing that you said to yourself? I wish what? Somebody else was here, right? Because you just knew if your husband or your wife or your kids or your best friend, if there was someone there, you could say, wow, look at that. Can you believe that? Isn't that amazing that somehow your own joy gets doubled by sharing the joy with somebody else? Now, friends, that's a principle of life, which is why you see togetherness on almost every page of the Bible. Because God created us to share life, to go through life meaningfully connected with the people around us. Now, let's take this and flip it around, okay? When we sorrow alone, what does it do to our sorrows? It doubles them, right? Sure. When you're going through a tough time, you ever say, I wish so-and-so were here? I just wish that my wife or my husband was here. I wish that my mom or my dad was here. I wish my best friend was here because somehow I'd feel better. Yeah. But the fact that you're there alone intensifies the sorrow and it doubles the sorrow. And guess what? Joy is exactly the opposite of sorrow. When you experience a joy alone... You get only half the joy. Now what I want you to see, those of you who are into math, what's the rate? Okay, I understand that cuts out about half the audience, all right? But, But how much bigger is two times than a half? Four, right? So what we have is a factor of four. And you can go through life 
And, 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 and you can decide that if I'm going to live life together, I'm going to share both my joys and my sorrows with people around me, that I'm going to end up with one-fourth of the sorrow and four times the joy that I would get if I decided to walk through life alone. Does that make sense to everybody? It's huge. Here's the truth out of that. Let me give it to you. There's a way to reduce the impact of our sorrows and multiply our joy. And that is through togetherness. I want to show you how this works at New Life. Okay, During the month of September, we're highlighting what is really the core of ministry at New Life, and that is our life groups. These are small groups of people, 8 to 20 people, who get together once during the week and, and, and study either a book based on a Bible principle or study a portion of the Bible that, that deals with some aspect of our lives. And in that, we not only learn, but we share life. It's the togetherness principle. We form friendships and relationships with those people. We get to know them. We pray with them. We pray for them. Some of us don't know how to pray yet. In that context, we end up learning how to pray, not because we're listening to the pastor pray, but because ordinary people just like us are praying. We learn how to pray. We learn how to share life. We learn how to take God's Word and apply it to our lives. It's the whole concept of taking the journey of faith and the journey of life together. We, we do it like that very first church that we read about that met in their homes. And so that's what life groups are. And in that great continuum of connect, develop, and serve, the heart of life groups is development. But there's a spillover effect because we're not only developing in life groups, we're getting connected in life groups. And we're not only developing in life groups, but we're also serving in life groups. So we get some connect, we get some serve, and we get a ton of development. And so our goal, what God has laid on our heart, is we would love for every single adult who comes to New Life to be participating in one of our life groups. Because that's how you're going to give God the greatest opportunity to speak into your life and for you to grow and develop spiritually because you won't be doing it alone. You'll be doubling your joy, cutting your sorrows in half, and all the things that we've talked about this morning. So... That's why we do what we do. Now, I've given you a passage of Scripture that's, that talks about it. I've given you some life equations. And right now, I'm going to have a couple from the church. We're very good friends. I want them to come and share with you how this looked in their lives. Now, I can tell you that this they joined a life group, I think, maybe a year, year and a half ago, somewhere in there, not knowing that something was coming their way that was huge. Easily the biggest trial they've ever encountered in their lives. And they're coming to tell you the story of how God handled that. Would you welcome Doug and Nancy Diego. <laughs> Doug is the brother of mine you've never heard about. In fact, I had somebody say to me this morning, you have a twin here? <laughs> so there you go. This is Doug and Nancy. Good morning. 
We have a life story to share. Our 25-year-old son, Tony, passed away unexpectedly in May of this year. It was a shock to us and our family. This happened three days before Mother's Day. The pain almost puts you in shock. Our family and church family lovingly came to our rescue. The very next day after Tony's death, Pastor Ron and his wife Monica showed up at our home in San Rafael to comfort us and our family. Then on Mother's Day, Pastor Kevin and his wife Maria, as well as Jeff and Monica, all from our life group, came to our home to just be with us in love and support. We almost needed to be carried through the next month. As the memorial service was planned, we were told the life groups would handle everything. Our own life group performed music, songs, videotaped the service and reception, designed and printed 400 programs, prepared and paid for all the meat platters, set up 400 chairs and broke down 400 chairs, as well as all the cleanup. Two other life groups made cheese platters, salads, desserts, and rolls. Many worked the kitchen the entire time. Our pastor's wife, Monica, organized all the food for the luncheon for over 300 people and worked during the whole event. All the volunteers had the best attitude while they served us and others. It was truly an amazing day to see God's people come together in their love for the Lord and us. Many others helped in the pre-decorating, floral arranging, and greeting of our family and friends as they arrived. Pastor Ron helped us in many ways. He met with us to go over all the details of the service and always kept saying, this is your service, do it the way you want it to be. Ron led the service and Kevin was totally supportive during the service. He stood with Tony's girlfriend, Alyssa, during her eulogy to give her moral support. She later said, if it wasn't for Kevin standing behind me and at one point laying his hand on my shoulder, I would not have been able to get through my speech. The greatest support is prayer, loving kind words, and just being there for us. Hugs and smiles have helped too. We can't imagine going through this time in our life without the support of our life group and church family. Even though we've been coming to New Life for over two years, if we hadn't formed the friendships in our life group, we would have felt very alone during this time. We are so blessed to have a large church family and even more blessed to be part of a life group that has cared for and supported us. Thank you, and we love you. Thanks, guys. I met and prayed with Doug and Nancy this morning, and a couple things are very clear. Any one of us who gets up here to share a life story, yes, it's our story, but even beyond that, it's God's story. You know, the great thing was because they had crafted those relationships for a year and a half or two in a life group, when the crisis hit, they had the resources that they needed people who would come with them and carry them through that time. And uh, not all of our stories are quite that dramatic, 
And, uh, but, you know, sooner or later we all encounter the big wave in life. And the idea is that we don't go under. And togetherness is how God carries us through that. And I want to read that truth. You already wrote it down, but I want to read it one more time. You ready? There is a way to reduce the impact of our sorrows and multiply our joys. What is it? Togetherness. Yes, it's togetherness. Now I want, to cl- I want to close this sermon by teaching you two points and then a, a closing thought. Because there are some keys to togetherness. And they're very important that you know because togetherness is in some ways not as natural to us as we'd like because it requires of us some things that we have to actually work at. And the first key to togetherness is trust. Okay? Just between you and me, I've never had a longing for a sense of togetherness with sharks. When they show up in the water and I'm in the water, I'm not thinking, this is a chance to form a relationship. I'm thinking, Jesus walked on the water, can I? Right? I'm trying to get out of there. Because, frankly, I don't trust sharks. Now, one of the great things about life groups, I know you've heard this, all right? So I want you to finish this statement. What happens in Vegas, that's not true, but that's the right statement, all right? I know many people who did something in Las Vegas that they paid for years later, okay? But I want you to understand that in our life groups as a church, there's a sense of trust and confidentiality, and mutual support, and mutual acceptance that creates an atmosphere of safety. I heard a story a few years ago about four pastors. And they went on a retreat together. They were all from the same local town, from different churches. And they went on a retreat together. They said, let's just get together and let's just read from God's Word and let's meditate and let's pray and let's be together as pastors. And so they went on this retreat and they had been at the retreat all day long. It was a day-long retreat. And at the end of the day, one of them was feeling very spiritual. And he said, guys, you know what we should do? What would be the perfect cap off of this retreat? We should confess to each other our deepest, darkest sins and pray for each other so that we could be forgiven because it's kind of hard to confess those to people in your church. And the guy says, I'll start. And he said, I just have to confess to you that one of the things that I struggle with, and no one in my church knows it, but I'm a closet drinker. And when life gets tough, I tend to go to the closet. I have a place in there where I hide. And, and, and I just know that's not right. And one of the other pastors said, Well, now that you've confessed, I'll confess. I, on a few ca- occasions, a handful of occasions, I have actually taken money out of the collection. And it just plagues me. And I just want to get that off of my heart and so forth. And the third guy said, well, okay, I have a confession to make too. And that is, um, sometimes my thoughts are not pure at all. 
even sometimes toward women in the church. And you, oh, I just, I just can't stand that. I, uh, and, and I'm really praying that God will give victory. And they all turned and looked at the fourth guy. And he wasn't saying a word. He finally fessed up and said, okay, guys. I struggle with gossip, and I just can't wait to get back to town. <laughs> hmm. I'm sensing a little loss of togetherness there. <laughs> yeah. You see, the first issue in togetherness is trust. And can we just agree and just commit ourselves? Because in our life groups, as we launch them in a couple of weeks, we're all going to sit down and we're going to go through a life group agreement together. And I can tell you that the heart of that life group agreement, as we meet together for the 12 weeks following that, and, 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 and we share life, that the heart of that life group agreement is trust. That we will take that journey together in integrity and in trust so that that becomes a safe place for us to actually be authentic and real and have real, honest sharing of life. Key number two. The first is trust. Key number two is choice. You know, when we shared all of the, when we uh, circled all of those words that were togetherness words, there were two or three times in there that we circled the word sharing, okay? Those of you who have children, is sharing natural for most children? No, that's a learned art. No, that's a forced art. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not natural to the human spirit to share, and that's why the concept of togetherness always involves a choice. And this morning we're going to give you the opportunity to make that choice. So I want to share that with you as well. When I was just a small child, I was sitting with my grandmother in church, and my grandfather was up preaching, and he was preaching something that had to do with the concept of togetherness. And I'll never forget my grandmother leaning over to me and saying to me, Ron, I want to teach you a poem that my father taught me. And here's how it went. To dwell above with those we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with those we know, that's a different story. <laughs> hmm. Boy, does that put life in perspective, right? You know what I want you to see? That one of the greatest choices that you can make in this life is to choose to dwell below with those you know. It's actually good for you, and it's good for them. Is it easy? No. Is it natural? Sometimes not. But in the end, if we choose to do it in a healthy and safe environment, it brings out the best in all of us. That's the closing thought. Let's go back to that Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and I want to read just the first sentence. And here's what it says. It says, Two people are better than one because they what? Get more done working together. If you're going to train for anything, if you're going to work out, what's the first principle they're going to teach you? Get a what? A partner. You'll train harder, you'll work better, you'll develop quicker, you'll do more. And the same thing is true spiritually. One of the greatest things you can do 
to develop spiritually is get a partner. In this case, get seven or eight of them that you get to meet with. Now, on the inside of your program, you're going to find a catalog, I'm sorry, a brochure that looks like this, all right? You should grab it out now. I'm going to give you two or three minutes um, because on your, well, take out this. We're going to ask you to be multitasking. This thing that says start here, right? Flip it over on the back side, and uh, there's a place for you to put in your name. If you're a regular attender here, please take the time to also put in your email address. We're going to ask everybody to fill one out this morning. So uh, if you'll take your pencil, put in your name, your email address. If you're here for the first time this morning, then I want to ask you to give us as much information as you're comfortable with. We're not going to, we're not going to dun you with, with all sorts of mail, and we're certainly not going to hit you up for all sorts of donations. We just don't do that. But this is your opportunity to communicate with us, and it's our opportunity to connect with you. So if you put as much information as you're comfortable there, there's a place for, I would like to, look right underneath, I would like to, do you see in capital letters, join life group number? All right? So those of you who are ready to join a life group, take just a few minutes, read through. Uh, Well, you don't have to read the first two pages. You can read that when you go home. But if you turn to the part that says Monday, Tuesday, and so forth, we have seven life groups on Monday, and I don't know how many we have on Tuesday and Wednesday, but a bunch, and on Thursday and Friday as well. Right underneath the life group, let's take the top one, top left. It says life group name, how much is enough, life group number, and what is it? M-O-N dash what? Zero one, all right? So take a few moments, read through, choose a life group, and when you get over here on your uh, communication card, if you were going to join that life group where it says number, you would put MON-01. Now here's what's going to happen. By the way, we opened our life groups for the first time last Sunday. Our goal, our initial goal is 240 adults in life groups. Our kind of big challenge, perfect goal would be 300 adults in life groups. Uh, we already have 145 people who have signed, adults, different adults, who have signed up for life groups already in one week. Is that a good thing? That's a great thing, actually. And that was a holiday weekend, so uh, take a couple of minutes and put that number on there. A little while later when we receive the offering, you can take this and you can put it in the offering and you'll get either an email or a phone call from the life group leader saying, thank you for joining my group. And here's what you can look forward to and a little bit of information. Now, I want you to know that when you put the number down there, you're not saying, oh, I just like information about that. If you want to get information about the life group, you can stop out at the develop kiosk and you can talk to the fine folks out there and they will give you the information. But when you're ready to actually sign up, you put the number there and that's all you need to do. The rest of it will be taken care of. So I'm going to give you two or three minutes. I'm going to pray, give you two or three minutes, and then the worship band band is going to come out. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, would you bless every single one of us now as we take a minute and we read and we make a choice. Father, would you help us to make a deliberate choice to put ourselves in the context where you can do the most in our lives. Would you guide us to the best life group for us? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. 
You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.